Hello, protest and survive listeners. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Reed Dunley. I am walking down the street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn on a particularly snowy January afternoon right now. But we're doing something a little different here on the podcast. If you've listened and tuned in in the past, you haven't really heard us walking down the street before. We've done this all indoors and you know generally in a studio of some sort or someone's work or home space but the last episode we had this great tattoo artist named Tamara Santibanez who does this really interesting work around you know art and tattooing and has done a lot of work in jails and prisons related to that. Yeah, so my name is Tamara Santibanez, and I am a multidisciplinary artist. I have, I have a visual art practice. I also am a tattoo artist. I also run an independent publishing company called Discipline Press, and I also do some workshops. I teach a little bit. I do some writing, a little bit of a lot of, a lot of things. When we were speaking to Tamara in the last episode of Protest and Survive, and we started talking about this really interesting concept she's working on called a trauma-aware philosophy for tattooing. Well, right now, what I'm working on, this is sort of this big project that I just started taking on, so it still needs a lot of work, but I'm trying to develop a trauma-aware philosophy for tattooing. But I'm trying to develop this philosophy towards a community care approach and towards this sort of like radical notion of tattooing as liberation work. And so rather than just chat about it and kind of get an overview, we thought it would be kind of more fun to immerse ourselves in that project right now. So I am walking over to Saved Tattoo, which is a tattoo shop in Williamsburg, pretty close to my apartment. And I'm gonna get a tattoo from Tamara. And we're gonna, you know, see what this trauma-aware philosophy for tattooing might look like for me or for other people or talk a bit more about it in practice. I haven't quite gotten my elevator pitch down of what this is and what it's going to be like. So for example, my shop did an event with the Women's Prison Association where we tattooed women and did cover-ups for them. And A number of the women had been tattooed prior to that in situations that were somewhat non-consensual or coercive. So when faced with the question of we're we're doing the same thing that's been done to them before, but how do we make this, by contrast, a safe and empowering experience for them? I had to try to think really uh, specifically about the act of tattooing and the process of tattooing and the environment of tattooing and how to try to make that feel safer for them and return some some power to them because there are so many power dynamics inherent in tattooing a lot of it is an an imbalance of knowledge where people step into the shop and they feel like they're ignorant as the consumer and they don't really know anything which disempowers them and makes them feel that they can't ask questions or that they can't give an educated response to what we're asking them Um, that's something I try to check myself on a lot, especially because I did go to art school. So if I'm talking about the composition or something and someone's like, I don't really know what you're saying to try to explain it to them in a way, break it down more simply so that we can both 
talk about it. Sometimes I find that if the size you're looking at looks generally close, yeah. it's good to start there. Because yeah. even once you have a stencil, it's easy to enlarge it and shrink it and make a new stencil and try a different size. Yeah. Because you don't always know until you actually see it. I wrote a series of these sort of like actionable steps of tattooing, doing them in a way that was more about informed consent and being mindful that somebody has experienced violence and has been a survivor of violence and that, you know, touching someone's body and working with their body can be triggering for them. Uh, so trying to figure out what those steps were and what they looked like, I wrote a brochure that is a very simplified version of it. Just for a little context, uh, this pamphlet is called Informed Consent and Trauma-Aware Tattooing, Practical Guidelines for Artists. It's, you know, folded into thirds on eight and a half by 11 paper. It gives sort of various different tips about how to communicate with tattooers' clients while they're tattooing them. Tell me what you think of this drawing. Do you like how the script is positioned next to the flowers? Do you like the sizing of this, etc., etc.? It gives various tips along the way, like be mindful of privacy preferences and physical comfort. Be respectful of the client's privacy in conversation. Allow the client to share if they feel they'd like to, etc. And then on the flip side of the brochure are tips for active listening, and it expands on ideas like pay attention, repeat, acknowledge, and clarify. And a lot of the things are very common sense, and that's some of the feedback that tattooers have said is like, oh, this is just kind of being professional or being, you know, a common common sense thing. But just the fact that clients have been reacting that way and saying like, I didn't even know I could ask for this, let alone that it should have been extended to me, is really telling and I think speaks to the need. And so the, um, but the pamphlet is intended for, for tattooers primarily and speaks to different parts of the process. What is new is thinking about, it's considering what it can achieve. So if somebody is a survivor of violence, for example, giving them, creating a sense of safety, a sense of choice, a sense of trust, and a sense of collaboration and empowerment in the process is going to give the best result for everyone involved. Um, I think it's worth seems- noting here that Tamara developed these techniques for people giving anybody a tattoo. But, you know, I think that there's kind of this inherent issue where this really is more immediate and more important for people who have experienced violence or significant body trauma. It's not, I don't think, as immediate for someone like myself who hasn't experienced that as much. However, you know, I have always had issues with, like, being comfortable when I go to the doctor. Um, and getting like blood drawn and shots and like needles make me like physically uneasy. So even though this isn't necessarily like fully as important for somebody like me, it actually does really help making me feel comfortable when I'm getting a tattoo. And I feel like it could only be positive to keep these things in mind for really anybody. So even, you know, some of the things that I was saying to you, like, are you, how do you feel today? Like, are you, are you ready? Do you need anything before we start? Do you want a glass of water? Like giving people choice in the process, you're returning a little bit of power to them and reminding them that they have agency, that they have some ability to direct what's gonna be happening that day. So what that means is that you are aware of the ways that being trauma impacted can inform, can, can affect the way that your clients are showing up. 
for the service that you're providing and you're, you're making allowances or adjustments in your process to um, support them in that. I, you know, had read your pamphlet a couple times and we've obviously talked about it, so I was kind of, you know, expecting, obviously we're doing this interview, so I was kind of like expecting that approach when I walked in and when we started this, but like also, I don't know that I've ever gotten a tattoo where I've felt that like in control. I mean, I think usually I always feel a little bit like, I, I hope I'm doing this right sort of thing, you know what I mean? Or like, I feel like a little like uneasy um, to varying degrees. But I would say even just like the process leading up to doing this and starting to do it, it's like probably the most like comfortable. I've, I mean, I've had some pretty cool tattoo hours, I guess, but it was very uh, accommodating, oh, that's which nice to hear. is nice. And this is really sort of a two-pronged approach. It's not only about making the client or the person getting a tattoo feel comfortable and feel like they're heard and have some sort of like agency over the process. It's also to make sure that tattoo artists are taking care of themselves, you know, acknowledging and addressing the issues that are inherent to the job. So we get into a little bit of conversation about how this approach can be beneficial for tattoo artists as well. But I'm also trying to write about the parallels I see in tattooing and in social work and the massive burnout that happens in both and the effects of long-term secondhand trauma exposure because we as tattooers trade in so much of that and I think it's really under um, really underestimated and it's not spoken about publicly and it's not spoken about in a community sense. I, I haven't really experienced much of tattoo arts, artists talking to each other about what their clients talk to them about or saying like, wow, that was a really, really heavy session. My client survived cancer and this is what they shared with me. And now I feel emotionally drained and I feel like I just want to go home um, because so much of our work deals with that. You know, we're dealing with people's bodies. We're dealing with, you know, maybe we're doing a memorial tattoo. Maybe we're covering up some self-harm scars on somebody. Maybe we're doing, yeah, a cancer survivor tattoo and, Maybe we're tattooing somebody who has experienced something really harmful in a tattoo shop before before they came in. And so I really was feeling this urgency around giving people tools, not only to be better to their clients, but be, to be, be better to themselves and to acknowledge the scope of what they were doing. So I'm trying to write something about that because my theory is that I believe that as tattooers, we're already at this sort of emotional saturation point because we're causing pain to people all day long and kind of like witnessing people in pain, having to disassociate from that a little bit to be able to do our jobs properly. And that because of that, it becomes that much more difficult to take on the more nuanced emotional work of tattooing. And that's so much to pile on top of that already. So I think that if we do a different job of caring for ourselves and acknowledging how much we can and can't take on, then we actually will have a little more capacity to be better to our clients and to think in a more just way about what we want the future of tattooing to look like. You know, there's so many issues that intersect with tattooing and I've really dived into the research about it. Like I've been learning about HIV ethics and discrimination that still happens in shops because of misinformation. And I've been reading about, um, you know, I've been asking questions about immigration, for example, and if somebody is undocumented 
does that mean that professional tattooing is unavailable to them if they don't have identification requirements that meet that state's legal requirements? Or even if they do have an ID, what does fear around that type of documentation mean for them coming into a tattoo shop? Like maybe they don't want their ID to be photocopied and to have paperwork on file. You know, economic justice, tattooing is a luxury a luxury item a lot of the time. And I see there being like really enormous class divisions in who has access to what tattooing and trying to find ways to make that a little more just, hopefully. Um, you know, disability justice. I think there's a lot of ways that disability justice intersects with tattooing. And there's there's so much. So I'm trying to break down all of these different different spheres, different concerns, and how we as tattooers could be thinking about tattooing differently and thinking about tattooing better and kind of bringing our our awareness and our consciousness and our practices up to date in 2019 and beyond is something I really, really want to work towards. And 2020 and beyond, since part one of this interview was recorded last year. Speaking of which, you can check out episode eight of Protest and Survive for a more in-depth interview with Tamara Santibanez and conversation around her work around tattoos, as well as working with people who are recently incarcerated or currently incarcerated. Tamara's trauma-aware tattooing and informed consent pamphlet is available for free at disciplinepress.com. And if you're in New York City, you can go to Save Tattoo in Brooklyn for a free pickup of the pamphlet. And you can find more information on all of Tamara's work by looking up her handle on Instagram, Tamara Santibanez. And thank you, Tamara, for my awesome new rose tattoo. I love it. This episode's new and improved original scoring is by Jesse Crawford. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can donate to Protest and Survive at anchor.fm slash protest dash and dash survive. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Reed Dunley. Thank you.